This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at Ravinia.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. Beth Braun lives over the border in the Indiana community of Chesterton. From her porch, Beth can see the flames of a steel mill nearby. I see the smoke coming up, and then at night you can see just the fire, and if there's clouds in the area, they just light up. Beth is 25 and works in an attorney's office and at a local cat shelter. She grew up in the region, and she loves Chesterton, especially all the vegan restaurants. I've always been here. My family's here. All my friends are here. Beth plans on staying in Chesterton even though the steel mill is nearby which is why she's worried about an investigative report she read recently in the Chicago Tribune. The investigation found that mill produces more lead emissions than any other industrial source in the country, nearly 18,000 pounds of the stuff in 2016. Particularly concerning for Beth, regulators can't explain where the lead is landing. It might be in Chesterton, where she lives. I just thought that was really interesting and kind of scary, and like, we don't know where it's landing or where it's blowing to, and Chesterton could be one of those places. So Beth wondered, what do you do when you learn about lead pollution so close to your home? What do you do if you're concerned your yard might be contaminated with lead? How do you go about testing the soil? And what do you do with the results? And she took these questions to Curious City. I'm reporter Kevin Stark. To answer Beth's questions, in late 2018, we enlisted the help of an independent expert. Gabriel Filippelli is the director of the Center for Urban Health in Indiana. The center does research and offers free heavy metal tests. Filippelli has helped hundreds of people who, like Beth, want to know what's lurking below the ground. His team collects the samples and analyzes them, building a database. He calls it citizen science. Because if they have the data themselves and they're inspired, they can take action in a way that nobody else can. Filippelli suggested the first step would be to conduct a small study of homes in the area. This could help determine whether there's any lead contamination in Beth's yard or in her neighborhood. He asked Curious City to find 10 people who live near Beth who are willing to participate. Hello. Hey, Renee. Beth called up a few of her friends. Hey. Um, I am just calling because I am here with Kevin from Curious City. Um, I know I had talked to you before about that big um, steel Two people that live nearby? I was wondering if you would be interested in getting your soil tested. Sure. And the Curious City team also knocked on doors in her neighborhood. Some people said they didn't want their homes tested because they have family members who work at the steel mill. But after a week or so of searching, we found our 10 people. Hi, Beth. Hi. I'm Gabe. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. This is Stephanie. On a cold morning in early December, Filippelli shows up to supervise the testing. His first stop is Best Place. She rents a second-floor apartment at the top of a long staircase. 
Her porch overlooks an open yard where Filippelli crouches down, shoveling dirt into a plastic bag. I'll, I'll just shoot, show you a demonstration. We just kind of do a, um, a scoop down. There's a lot at stake for Beth. People that consume large amounts of lead can suffer from brain damage and other health problems. Lead pollution is especially dangerous for kids who play in the dirt and will sometimes eat it. The problem with lead, it does not go away. When it's in soils, it stays there. So year after year, that soil, dust is coming out of that soil, entering people's homes, entering in kids, poisoning kids, generation after generation. Filippelli and Beth dig dirt samples from half a dozen spots scattered around her yard. Inside her house, Beth dumps the contents of her vacuum cleaner, a mixture of cat hair and dust, into another sample bag. Our next stop is one of the people Beth recruited, her friend Michael Reed Jr. He's 23 and lives close to Beth. As he shovels dirt into a bag, he tells me people are concerned about lead pollution, and some assume the steel mill is polluting the community. Mikey, had you, before Beth reached out about this, was this something you had been concerned about, the emissions and lead and stuff? Well, yeah, I, you know, I feel like the mills have always been a concern, and they've always been a topic of conversation. Later, Filippelli will test all the samples collected from inside and outside the 10 different sites near Beth's apartment. It will take two weeks to analyze the samples in his lab and get the results back to Beth and her neighbors. The mill by Beth's house is run by ArcelorMittal, the largest steelmaker in the world. This ArcelorMittal plant releases more than twice the amount of lead emissions than all other industrial facilities in the region combined, according to the investigation by the Chicago Tribune. I spoke with Joel Mintz. He's an environmental law professor who works on regulatory issues around the country. Mintz worked as an enforcement attorney with the EPA during the late 1970s and early 1980s. He says the steel mill, which was run by a different company at the time, had lead pollution issues even back then. I thought of then as a problem child, meaning that there were uh, significant emissions from smokestacks at the mill that were dark black smoke. Mint says lead emission problems can fluctuate as pollution control equipment ages or gets upgraded. In 2011, EPA officials slapped ArcelorMittal with a Clean Air Act violation, which is like a regulatory equivalent of a warning shot. And, and can you tell me uh, what's happening at ArcelorMittal now? Uh, I definitely think there's a serious air pollution emissions problem at that plant right now. ArcelorMittal declined to be interviewed for this story. But in an email, a company spokesperson says it takes these concerns seriously and has invested millions in pollution control equipment. In a blog post responding to the Chicago Tribune investigation, company executives said that they are not aware of any threat to human health from emissions at the Burns Harbor facility. The company says it's in compliance with its permits, and its emissions are monitored by a state system installed in 2013, nearby at the Port of Indiana. The Indiana Department of Environmental Management and the EPA review data from these monitors, and the company says that its lead levels are routinely below state and federal standards. But by law, the company is also required to self-report its lead emissions. And if it seems strange that the mill can be churning out a lot of lead into the air and still be below regulatory standards, that's because it is. For one, the air monitors don't pick up all the lead that leaves the plant. The state collects samples once a week, but only in one spot west of the mill. Mint says air monitors are only reliable if they're positioned in the right spot, and he's not sure that's the case at ArcelorMittal. He says the mill could be a public health threat and in violation of federal rules. 
Late last fall, he registered a complaint with the EPA. As for Beth, he says, You know, if I lived in the neighborhood, I would myself be concerned. Instead of blowing west towards the air monitors, the lead could be blowing north over Lake Michigan, or southeast towards Chesterton, according to the Chicago Tribune. Soil tests are the best way to understand where the lead is landing. And as easy as that sounds, communities have to really pressure the EPA to do soil testing. That's not happening where Beth lives. One reason could be jobs. More than 3,000 people work at the mill, and ArcelorMittal is a big part of the local tax base. Which brings us back to Filippelli's samples. If Filippelli's small study shows high levels of lead, the EPA might conduct a larger study around Beth's neighborhood. When Filippelli is all finished, we arrange for Beth to talk to him by phone at the WBEZ studios. Uh, so you have a clean bill of health inside your home. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, the bad news is that, that your outside environment, particularly the soils uh, right next to your house, have very elevated amounts of basically every one of the heavy metals that we tested. So uh, lead is at over 500 parts per million. Best results are mixed. Her lead numbers aren't high enough to trigger an automatic cleanup by the EPA but they are high enough that she needs to do some kind of mitigation. The EPA's official standard says children shouldn't play in the yard and warns against growing vegetables when the lead level is higher than 400 parts per million. But the truth is a lot of people, especially in this part of Indiana, have lead levels similar to Beth's yard. It's common in areas with heavy industry. In fact, Filippelli's home in Indianapolis tested with similar levels. To keep himself safe, he built raised garden beds and added lots of compost. Beth doesn't garden, but Filippelli has a solution to protect her from contaminated dust being tracked into her home. And you can do simple things like mulching or keeping some kind of ground cover there the whole time so that you make sure that lead doesn't come into your house or in contact with people. Filippelli suspects that the cause of the contamination is lead-based paint because the metals are found in high values only right next to her house. But he says it's also possible Beth's two-story home is acting like a barrier, so when the lead that's being carried by the wind hits her house, it gets knocked down to the ground, concentrating along her drip line, the patch of land right next to the house, a common place for gardens. Across the neighborhood, Filippelli found similar hot spots and low spots. Remember Michael Reed Jr.? His tests inside and outdoors showed very low levels of lead, but another neighbor's indoor sample was higher than Beth's outdoor sample. This, Filippelli says, is exactly the problem facing communities across Indiana. The amount of lead he found in Beth's yard, and in or near some of the neighbors' homes, suggests they need more study to determine if it has anything to do with the steel mill. Only a large research team, probably with the EPA, sampling an organized area downwind of the mill could answer those questions. But that's not how the EPA works. The feds don't typically study soil across neighborhoods. Instead, health officials look for places where a lot of children have lead poisoning, and then figure out what's making them sick. So it's sort of the canary in the coal mines approach. They're using kids as the canaries in this case, and that's completely backwards. So the only way for Beth to find out if she was in danger was to do the test herself. Now that she knows all this, Beth says she plans to go door to door to try and get more people to test their soil. And I'm hoping that, you know, one small person like me trying to reach out to other people can make more awareness and maybe make some sort of change, at least in, you know, this small town. Support comes from the Conant Family Foundation. 
Special thanks to the Social Justice News Nexus at Northwestern's Medill School of Journalism. I'm Kevin Stark. Next time on Curious City, a deep dive into Chicago's music history, including gospel, folk, jazz, and Mexican music from 1920s Chicago. And one of those early recordings comes from a man named Silvano Ramos, and he recorded a song called No Estoy Conforme, which roughly translates as, I can't get no satisfaction. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.